from Revenue Rhino, I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond. And I'm your co-host, Ice Artificio. Today, we have Megan Donahue from Virtuous. Megan, really nice to have you on. Hey, thanks. Nice to be here. Yeah, awesome. Megan, we're super excited to have you on. We'd love to know more about you, your content marketing career, and everything there is to know about Virtuous. Fantastic. I'm excited to talk about both both those things. Um, I'm a writer by trade who somewhat naturally found my way into content marketing. My background is largely in nonprofits, and then I was a freelance copywriter for forever, and then found my way through Virtuous, which was my client, into full-time content marketing. So Virtuous is a software company that makes a responsive fundraising platform that helps nonprofits build better relationships with their donors. So there's a CRM component, there's a marketing automation component, but more than anything, it's about relationship building. So that's kind of what we do. Uh, And our big giant vision goal is to transform global generosity. So, you know, maybe a little ambitious. <laughs> That's, I love that. I love that. Um, so you guys get to help other people while doing the marketing thing. Exactly. So you're in a nonprofit setting. How does marketing look like in that space for Virtuous? Yeah, it's interesting because all of our customers are nonprofits. Uh, we're not a nonprofit, but we care mm-hmm. a lot about nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, like a kind of ridiculous amount as far as nonprofits are the mechanism through which a lot of major world issues are being addressed. They're doing so much good stuff in the world. And so our role is really helping them do that more efficiently and more effectively. So marketing in a lot of ways is about nonprofit education, particularly around our core principle, which we call responsive fundraising. So that's the idea that as marketers will be familiar with the world that we do everything in has changed significantly in the past 10 years, really. I always say the game was changed as soon as Amazon could say, oh, you bought this, you want this. As soon as that became the game, everything had to switch because once people got used to that kind of personalization and responsiveness, they expected everywhere. The nonprofit sector has been a little, I don't want to say behind, but they have not yet adapted to that level of responsiveness. The problem is that donors and supporters experience the world, right? They have Netflix, which is giving them recommendations. They have Amazon, which is saying, hey, if you want this, you want this. And so when then nonprofits are like, dear friend, we come to you asking for money. Uh, it, It rubs people the wrong way now in a way that like, it's just not where people are. So a lot of what we do marketing is making the case that like in order to participate in this modern world in an effective way, in order to engage the passions of supporters in the way they expect, nonprofits have to become responsive. So we call that responsive fundraising, which relies a lot on marketing automation, really effective data management, that kind of stuff. So a lot of our marketing is along making the case for that, introducing people to that principle, and then showing them how to do it. Really cool. I love that. One of the things we really talked about too, that it sounds like you do a lot of is community building. So we'd love to hear more about what that looks like for you and all the different aspects of that. Sure. It's my favorite part of my job. Like I love writing content. I love making stuff, but building the community has been 
unexpectedly in a way, like the best part about working at Virtuous and my role. So like I said, we're kind of putting forward this whole new philosophy of fundraising. And when people get it, they really get it. But often then they want to talk about it more. They want it, they're experimenting on the ground. They're trying things out. And so we realized like, we really need to bring together the people who are really doing this work and support them and engage them and build a community, not just around our product, but around our ideas. So one of the ways we do that is we developed a, I guess we could call it a product. I don't know, an experience that we call the responsive weekly. And it's a two-part thing that happens every week. It's a Tuesday email that introduces a topic that's important to our audience and gives a curated list of resources about that topic. And then on Thursdays, we have a 30-minute Zoom call about that topic. Usually, um, it's I do an interview with an expert, and then the community chimes in in the chat and asks their questions and offers their own experiences and um, just engages however they want to. And we do that every week, and it's been so much fun. The community that's developing is really exciting for me to watch because it's kind of simple, right? It's not like we have a really, we do it on Zoom. It's an email. It's not like the most sophisticated of platforms, Um, but we're seeing people forming their own relationships within the community, which is the most exciting thing to me, where someone will just like drop in the chat, like, hey, anyone else in a higher ed organization trying to do an email welcome series? Could I see yours? And then people pop up and be like, sure, here's my email. I'll send you my whole workflow and you can look at it and we can talk about it. So they're doing that kind of communication together. And it really is becoming like a mutually um, edifying and educational community. I love that. That's amazing. And tell us about the story of how this got started. And I think it's particularly interesting to other marketers out there that are maybe thinking about building a community and how to approach it and how to get started and all that. So love to hear more about that. Yeah. So um, it's a constant experiment, right? So it started off as a Slack channel that we offered people and um, not many of them took us up on it. (laughs) Um, So we'd have like a Slack discussion and then a Zoom call and it was not like it didn't really gel. And then um, it became clear that the Zoom call was really where the value was for people, that it was that they wanted the community, not just resources. So once we made that switch, it kind of started to build. And then when we decided like, okay, let's add a couple more connection points around this. So, and that really was just a matter of adding a couple emails to the flow. So it was, we're going to add a reminder email because we send the thing on Tuesday. It doesn't happen until Thursday. People who work in nonprofits are incredibly busy. So sending like a, Hey, it's happening in an hour email really helps. We started sending out uh, recaps afterwards with the recording of the session, which is where we get like another whole rung of value on the ladder kind of um, because there are a couple thousand people get the emails between 50 and hundred usually show up on the call. So mm. being able to continue to provide that value and to say like, Hey, we know you can't always make it and that's okay. And you're still part of the community that people can still engage. They can engage on their own time. Like sometimes I get emails when people join of like, I can't come on Thursdays. Can I still get the stuff? And it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. You get the stuff you're in. We'll make sure you always get it. So adding those points has definitely driven engagement. Uh, And I think that is a broader lesson as far as it's really easy for me. And I don't know if it's true for other content marketers 
I'm in our message all the time. I'm in all our materials all the time. So I feel like, yeah, everybody knows what's happening. Everybody does not know what's happening. Like over reminding, I never get any pushback to be like, you send me too much stuff. One other thing we did to avoid that as well is we realized that like this was that if we were building a community, especially around the idea of being responsive, that we had to actually give people the opportunity to opt in rather Mm -hmm. than just be like, you signed up for our general email list. We're going to plunk you into this communication stream. So we did, we had a much larger list that we marketed it to. And so then we decided to do a series in the spring of just like, Hey, you're in this list. You get this stuff. We noticed you haven't engaged with it much. Do you still want it? Mm. And some people are like, absolutely not. I never wanted it. Why did you ever send it to me? Nope. Um, And then some other people were like, absolutely. Um, Sorry, I never come, but please, I want to keep getting the recordings and all of that. So I feel a lot more confident marketing to that list now that I've given people the opportunity to say, yeah, I want to be here. I love that. And where do these people come from? Are they just pulled in from all different channels of marketing? Yeah. Um, This particular experience, we don't specifically market to customers. So it's not just our customers, although many of our customers do attend. So we have, we do a biannual conference, a virtual conference. So a lot of people come in through that, just like general conversations in the nonprofit tech world. They find out about our summit and come in that way. Some of it's just through our other resources, like they'll find an ebook or see us on LinkedIn and come in that way. I haven't done a dedicated marketing campaign to the Responsive Weekly yet, although I'm planning to. It'll be interesting to see who comes in that way. Totally. And tell us more about the format. It sounds like it's like a thought leadership type of topic each week, but yeah. how does all that work? How do you plan, plan it all out and all that? <laughs> yeah, it's really fun. It's interesting because the format has kind of shifted as it's developed and now it's sort of like at some point we started doing a talk show. <laughs> um, nice. Like, oh, that's what this is now. So what we generally do is we have a lot of partners in the space who are consultants on particular topics, things of like marketers, fundraising leaders, people who specialize in board development or things like that. And we try to focus in on a really specific topic because we only have 30 minutes. So like recently we had a guest on who just talked about like, what are four things you can do to make sure you're getting ROI from your tech stack? So we talked about things like that. So the process is I'm really flexible about what the guest wants to talk about because they're generally the experts. We'll do a discovery call once they decide they want to come on and just chat about what they might want to talk about. And then I pull some questions from that. We try to keep it pretty casual um, because it's not a webinar. It's a conversation. Mm. So we generally spend 15 to 20 minutes of the time on the guest presentation or I interview the guest and then the rest is interspersed questions and comments and ideas from our community. Okay. Do people actually like ask questions on video and all that? And... No, well, they, uh, they just do the chat. We do oh, occasionally. Okay. Yeah. If someone, sometimes someone will like blow me out of the water and have a like, well, when I tried to do this, I found this, this, and the other thing. And so the strategy I employed was this and this, this thing. And actually I'll link you to the video I made and all that. And then I'll be like, I will privately message them on Zoom and say like, do you want to come on? like right now (laughs) and be a panelist (laughs) on this discussion. And what shocks me, because I would never say yes to that, is that people say yes to that and they're just like, yeah, okay. And I'll turn their camera on and they'll 
share what they have to share with the group and then hop back off into the audience. Nice. That's amazing. So it's fun when that happens. And once a week, that's quite a commitment. How do you come to that cadence and all that? Yeah, we did find that there's a lot of value in something happening at a very predictable cadence of like, no mm. matter what, Thursdays at noon Eastern, this is happening. Um, the only time it's not happening is if that Thursday turns out to be like Thanksgiving or we're having our summit. And then we try to come to the summit for more of these conversations that we have every week right now. Uh, but otherwise, we found having a very predictable cadence makes it something that people can just put on their calendar, know it's happening, build it into their routine. I don't know that it would work as well if it was bi-weekly or a mm. couple times a month, just because there's something really good about that. Like it's 30 minutes, it's at noon, it happens every time. Just set your watch Love by it. it. Love it. Mm -hmm. And how do you measure success of this? Is it like, is there a certain conversion you're looking for? Um, or is this mostly just tell me about like what the metrics measurement looks like for all this? Yeah, this is a question I keep asking because I'm, to be perfectly honest, I'm not entirely sure of the right metric. We started last quarter. I started uh, soliciting feedback from people who are more in involved in the sales process to be like, what impact, if any, does this have on pipeline? And what we're finding is, and there's, it, this is hard to quantify. So I'm still like on the search for the perfect conversion metric. But what we did find the feedback that we got from like our SDRs um, was when we do a cold call with someone who's attended the responsive weekly, it's not a cold call anymore. Mm. Mm. So they know who we are. They know they got value out of it. And they're all like, hey, oh yeah, from Virtuous. I watched this episode last week about this other thing. And I noticed this kind of stuff. And it, so it's warming it up. It's making prospecting um, for people who participate more friendly. So that was good. So we're like, it has some impact on pipeline. What exactly? I don't know. But it is warming things up and laying some groundwork. Yeah, totally. It's also great for seeing um, when someone is in the sales process, when they attend, it gives people mm. really great conversation starters. Mm. And it's also good when customers attend for their success coaches and their account managers to say like, oh, I saw you asked a question in the chat about something you wanted to know if you could do in our product. I'm so happy to follow up with you on that. And it's a thing of like, we don't know if they would have asked the question if there hadn't been a conversation devoted to that question. Totally. We might not have known. So they might've missed something to be like, actually, you can do that in Virtuous and we'll make it a lot easier. And they could have just been sitting there being like, oh, I wish I could do that in Virtuous. That'd be a lot easier. Like, yo, you can. Yeah. But that's also for building customer relationships and making sure people are getting enough out of the product. It's useful there too. Okay, cool. So as we're wrapping up here, what advice do you have for other marketers out there when it comes to community building and all this stuff? I was thinking about this question and there's one thing that I think is not necessarily intuitive because as content marketers, like we like to, we like to deliver messages. We like to, we like to give stuff to people and do that. I think to be protective of your audience, hmm. to kind of like put yourself on their side, even more than you're on your company side and really ask yourself, do they need what I'm trying to give them? Or am I just saying like, I need to make some content and I hope they like it. I like, do they really need it? Are you, when you're asking for people's time and you're asking for their engagement, that's a big ask. 
And I think being protective and kind of even working against yourself a little bit to be determined of like, I am not going to waste their time and I'm not going to give them stuff that is fluff. I'm going to give them actual things they need. And if I can't do that, maybe I should leave them alone for a minute until I can, which I think is really important. And I think people respond to that because they know when they're getting stuff that is just for our goals and doesn't really help them. And we're just like, well, we wanted to have another touch. <laughs> totally. Well, Megan, this has been amazing to have you on. We really appreciate you sharing all your wisdom, advice, and thoughts and insights here. Really appreciate it. Super fun Thanks time. Thanks for time.